27 million people are enslaved worldwide today. We'll talk with a modern-day abolitionist, former Congresswoman Linda Smith. And historical abolitionist William Wilberforce is the subject of the new movie, Amazing Grace. We'll interview the producer. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Remember, God made men equal. Blind, but now I see. Did I write that? Yes, you did. Now at last it's true. Amazing Grace. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. That's the movie Amazing Grace. It opens in theaters. It has opened in theaters nationwide. It tells the story of one of the greatest Christian heroes of all time, William Wilberforce. He led the fight against slavery in Great Britain. We're going to talk about why American Christians should remember this story, what you should know about it. We're going to talk to the movie's producer, Ken Wales, later in the program. And also, in just a moment, we'll talk with a former member of Congress whose second calling is taking her around the world to provide hope for young women and girls who are victims of sex trafficking and sexual slavery. That's Congresswoman Linda Smith. She'll be with us in a moment. Who said this? We wanted to target Cheney. That was the Taliban spokesman, Mullah Hyatt Khan. Today, Vice President Dick Cheney heard a big boom in the morning at Bagram Air Force Base in Afghanistan. Let's go to Mark Smith at the White House for this assassination attempt story. A purported Taliban spokesman claimed responsibility for the bombing, which took place at the main gate of Bagram Air Base. But White House Press Secretary Tony Snow notes it's a big base and says Cheney was elsewhere at the time, so the picture remains unclear. At this point, we don't have a whole lot of detail on, on the, the whys and wherefores. Snow calls it an isolated attack and says it's not necessarily a sign of Taliban strength. Still, he says it's important to build up allied forces in Afghanistan to thwart a likely spring Taliban offensive. Mark Smith at the White House. Again, the Taliban spokesman said we wanted to target Cheney. Pinna in the second 
uh, segment, we're going to talk about why they wanted to target Cheney. Why would they want to go after this man, the vice president of the United States? Well, I think a lot of our listeners can answer that question, and we're going to talk with them, too, later in the program. But our guest uh, at this moment is uh, former member of Congress, two-term member of the House of Representatives, Linda Smith. Uh, She served in the state of Washington. Then she ran for the U.S. Senate. She lost to Patty Murray, and uh, now she's got a new calling, which is rescuing the victims of sex slavery. And Representative Smith, thank you so much for being with us. Good to be with you. You know, we've been talking about this movie that's out in theaters, Amazing Grace, the story of William Wilberforce. And I think it's important to remind people that your faith can inform your actions, and you can really make a difference can't you? Absolutely, and uh, it's programs like yours that do make a difference because it tells the truth. There are slaves in America today, and they're not like what you would think. They're a pretty ordinary teenage girl being sold to an American man. Uh, When I started, I had thought it was just little girls around the world, and I just spent, spent my last eight years helping these little girls and helping to restore their lives, and then I was asked by the U.S. government to take a look at America and the issue of commercial exploitation of children and do a report. And boy, were my eyes open to the number of American children trafficked from city to city. Well, that's amazing. You know, uh, you started in India, and so we look at this as a worldwide problem, this whole idea of sex trafficking. But you are saying that this is actually taking place within our country? It's a lot bigger than I thought. Uh, We were asked uh, to evaluate the commercial sexual exploitation of children. And for the, you that don't know, if a child is sold to another person, they're considered a trafficking victim. So if they're pimped out by someone or even sold by their parents, they don't have to be moved around. They're traffic victims. So I was doing this report for the United States with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Homeland Security, Department of Justice, and, and got my first reports back from my staff, and I was blown away. Minimum reports say there's over 100,000 children being pimped out using the commercial sex industry for pornography and and sex and online sex. How does it happen? How does a young girl get involved in this? In America, it's not unusual to be um, typical of of a traffic victim worldwide. She is recruited either online or someone goes to her town like like they would a village in some parts of the world, and they come as a pursuer. They tell that 13-year-old girl online or in person how beautiful she is. She gets in a vulnerable position by going to the mall or going to the shops, wherever she is in the world, and she's snatched. Uh, There's a case in uh, Toledo, Ohio now that's being managed, and it is a pretty good-sized case of traffickers, but they snatched two girls off the street. They had so much local demand of men buying that they needed more product, and so they got a little closer to home. Normally they move the girls every 15 days in America from market to market, and this time they left them close to home. One of the little girls knew where she was. She fled the truck that she was being prostituted out of or in and um, told where her friend was, and actually it was her sister. And um, so the police got them and led us to a fairly good-sized ring. 
a lot of the girls are also uh, in a foster care system overloaded with children of meth addicts in certain states, and they are just vulnerable to being loved on and told they're wonderful. And, and this pimp who, or this pursuer online who pretends they're a teenage boy but is really an adult, they can tell them everything they want to hear, and they need to belong and be loved so bad that they're vulnerable. But they're not bad girls. They're not going to have sex. They're not going to do something that they enjoy. They're usually fleeing for something or to something or just wooed like any little 13-year-old could be anywhere in the world. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to former Congressman Linda Smith. She's now leading the ministry Shared Hope International, fighting sex trafficking, commercial sexual exploitation. Um, We're thinking, folks, about this movie, Amazing Grace. The abolition of slavery in the United Kingdom and later in the United States. Everybody says, well, slavery is over. It's gone. No, it isn't gone. It isn't over. It's not over in America. as a different kind of slavery. It's not over in Europe. It's not over in Africa. Um, Congressman, could you tell us this? Um, You've mentioned the United States. Talk to us a little bit about the U.K. and Europe and the rest of the world. Uh, and what's going on? I mean, slavery is not institutionalized legally, but uh, behind the scenes, what's happening in Europe? Later this spring, I'll be able to give you more information, but we've been uh, on a government project of investigating trafficking rings by sending people inside as buyers, as uh, tour agents, etc. And uh, we will be coming out with a report on how it works and how they recruit both the buyer in the industry as well as how they recruit the product. It's called the marketplaces of uh, victimization is what we call it. And so we'll come out with that. But our history with Shared Hope has been that we started rescuing girls and restoring them. We've had them as long as eight years. I started it while I was still in Congress. And, and so we know how it is to rescue them, and we understand where they're at. What I didn't know when I started in India and Nepal and Jamaica and, and South America, the different places we started homes, was that I should have been looking at the place the girls were brought to in the commercial markets that had the most money, Las Vegas, Amsterdam, those places like Australia that have legal prostitution, because they need product. And so we're looking at the world now from a different lens. We're looking at where the girls are sold. There is trafficking in every country, I think, in the world. Let me ask you this real quickly, because governments know this is going on. I saw an expose recently about the World Cup and how uh, governments, there's sort of a wink and a nod. They're bringing in uh, hundreds of young girls for these worldwide uh, events to um, more or less service uh, the fans that are coming in, the clients that are coming in. Um, What can we do? to uh, put the pressure, put the heat on these governments? We can reveal what's happening. In Atlanta, Georgia right now, they pass out these little cards in the parking lots, and they invite them to bring their stub from the ticket of the game they were in, the sports game, and to come over to this gentleman's club. So we have to say, no, it's not gentlemen, and it's not okay, because at the back room, little girls are sold. Our investigations will show some of this later this spring. Uh, it is not just other countries, but we do some very good things as America. We have what's called the TIP report, Trafficking in Persons report, that we do. It's commissioned and required by the U.S. Congress, and we evaluate each country, and we will implement 
non-economic uh, or non-humanitarian aid uh, will stop it if they do not fight trafficking. And so we report on them each year, and it has caused countries to have laws against it now. Uh, I think the biggest thing is America needs to stand up, and I'm a loyal American. I was a you know, Republican uh, representative, but I'm, just a, I, I'm a flag waver. I love America. But we need to stand up and be an example. We just can't have over 100,000 traffic victims in the United States move from town to town for a commercial industry of ordinary American men, middle-class men, and be able to put pressure on other countries. So, so we've got to be an example. Strong. We need to be an example then. We have to be an example. And we can't call a girl a child prostitute. How can She's we call a, victim. a child a prostitute and not have it change her? But let's think about this. How many clients are you hearing about that are arrested, middle-aged men, for statutory rape? Yeah, not many. You know, you, you use the word product for the, for the girls, and then you use the word clients for the men. So there's, you know, there's a consumer here. And, you know, what about that? I know that you've got a program to deal with the consumption side of it. There are buyers. In our report that we came out with on the commercial sexual exploitation of children in America with the groups that I mentioned before, we came out with one bottom line. We have an a, a exploding use by ordinary men buying product girls and they are 90 percent american girls move from town to town and we have to do something to inform the men of who these girls are they're buying and so uh, a group of men came together called the defenders and you can go to the defendersusa.org uh, and look at what they're doing but it, it's to recruit other men to stand as defenders and not to accept any commercial buying of porn of sex not to accept it and to fight it from where they are in their family, uh, to help their family, to stand against it with their friends and their churches, and to be vocal, not silent. Because men don't talk about how they get into using online porn, stream porn of victimized children, but it starts with regular pornography. Men don't just one day get up and victimize a child. They are now cre creating an environment online where they're recruiting your sons. So men need to really work at home in their own behavior, but they need to protect their families. So the defenders are taking a stand as men, and they're really pretty new, but they're in every state now. And uh, there are tools online to use, and there's helps online. And uh, go Hey, ahead. let's break in here. We've got Congressman, former Congressman Linda Smith on the line. She leads the ministry Shared Hope International. We're talking about slavery today, and when we come back, we're going to ask her about her Christian convictions, about the value of human life, why fundamentally as Christians we must stand against slavery of any kind, and also what about that assassination attempt on President, Vice President Cheney over in Afghanistan? Why did the Taliban specifically say they wanted to target Cheney? We'll be right back. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. You join us. We'll take your calls in the next segment. A legacy of equipping believers, training leaders to be effective in their walk with Christ. The Heritage continues at the Criswell College in Dallas, and you can see it firsthand. Thursday, March 1st, come to Preview Day and learn how an education at the Criswell College will prepare you for a future of ministry and a lifetime of service. The Criswell College will grow you spiritually and academically and focus your Christian worldview. Come meet the professors, have lunch, and pick from a list of classes to observe firsthand and ask any questions you may have. 
Your reservation is waiting for preview day March 1st. Call 800-899-0012. That's 800-899-0012. And you'll find more details on the web at criswell.edu. Take advantage and see the worldwide opportunities that Criswell College can afford you as a full-time student or with classes to round out a biblically-based education. Call 800-899-0012 and reserve your place at Preview Day at the Criswell College in Dallas. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The only option for our security and survival is to go on the offensive, face the threat directly, patiently, and systematically until the enemy is destroyed. That's Vice President Dick Cheney. The Taliban spokesman Mullah Hyatt Khan said we wanted to target Cheney. And they bombed the base in Afghanistan where Vice President Cheney was staying yesterday. Why did they want to knock out Vice President Cheney? We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But right now we're talking about the movie Amazing Grace. And Wilberforce, the Christian leader, the Christian statesman, his fight against slavery. If you have questions or comments about slavery or you've seen the movie, you want to talk about it, the number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. And with us on the line is former member of the U.S. House of Representatives from the state of Washington, Linda Smith. She's been called uh, by a U.S. ambassador a modern abolitionist. And uh, as we listen to her, uh, we really believe that description. Uh, but Linda, we so appreciate your describing this problem to us. It's bigger than I think most of us understood. And it's really a human rights issue. And it's something that every American should be concerned about, isn't it? Absolutely. And I was, I was thinking about the movie. I did see Amazing Grace. And I saw it uh, before it came out. And I listened to the arguments that would deny a person their human rights. And what they're saying is they're not a person. They're lesser than a person, lesser than you. And for some reason, they should not have the same rights as you. And when I heard that, I realized that they had changed the language of what they called these slaves. First of all, they call them slaves. They were not people. Mm. And they changed the terminology of what they called them. They were product. They were... They, they were named differently, and it depended on where they were at, a field slave, whatever. And somehow that made it easier to whip them, to treat them badly, to use them. And I, and I thought, you know, the violation of human rights goes to any type of slavery. And in the trafficking movement, we often forget that the trafficking victim is just a slave. She's just, she's, mm-hmm. it is usually a she, and she's been denied all of her rights to liberty and freedom. But how do they get there? How does a pretty ordinary man uh, drive across town or drive, go to, to Las Vegas and buy a 14-year-old girl? Well, I think I've found it. It's just in his mind he calls her a prostitute. Once she's a prostitute, she's a slave. She is not quite a person, not like his daughter and then he can actually buy her because she's a prostitute, lesser than, uh, disposable in society, or usable for our gain. And the arguments are so much the same, but we know. We know each person is made by God with a plan. And if we do that as believers, 
we are violating the very word of God that says every person is beautifully, wonderfully made, and, and he has a plan for us. So if you in your mind are hearing the word child prostitute and going bad girl, first of all, she's a child. Start thinking about what you're saying. And prostitute, that's, that's statutory rape at the very least. But normally it's abduction, it's rape, it's torture. And you're actually buying a victim of a violent crime. And by the way, if you do, and anybody catches you, you will be like the truck driver that was just sentenced to four years and $250,000 fine for buying the little girl in Toledo that he was just buying because he thought she was a prostitute. But she was a 14-year-old girl of another man who was looking desperately for that little girl. This is what we're saying, and uh, in, in what we're trying to explain right now is you and your mind are labeling certain people, and you're putting them into slavery. It's a modern-day slavery. The worth, the dignity, and the value of a human life created in the image of God. Congressman Linda Smith, former congressman, leading now Shared Hope International. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing the Christian worldview about the value of human life. Thank you, Dr. Johnson and uh, Penna. Folks, uh, this reminds us that this show is really focused upon uh, the Christian worldview behind the news, uh, underneath the news, underneath the headlines. And, of course, everybody's talking about slavery because of this movie this week. But uh, on this show, we talk about the value of human life, theologically, doctrinally. And there's a lot of common ground even between uh, people who are uh, evangelical, and people who are sort of generic um, cultural Christians, they realize, as Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, God has endowed us, we are all endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, the right to life, the right to liberty. We talked to Madeleine Albright not long ago about human rights and a theological basis for human rights. Here's Madeleine Albright, the former Secretary of State. Uh, if you believe, as I do, that God created us all and created us equally, then we cannot watch uh, as one group of us is tortured or is not allowed to live up to their fullest potential or uh, is repressed in some way. So I, I think that it's a sense of morality which comes from one's belief in God and a theological basis in that case. Oh, you can't uh, mix religion and politics. Well, there, Madeleine Albright did it, former Secretary of State under Bill Clinton. I wish she were more consistent in that application on abortion and other issues. But any, any action, sexual slavery, abortion, illegal immigration, work slavery, that reduces a human life to an it, to a property, and there's a dollar sign on top of that, is really a fundamental violation of our our. Christian and biblical theology, and of the Judeo-Christian worldview, which sees every human being as a person created in God's image. And there's really some common ground there uh, with Albright and others, and we ought to try to be more consistent in the application. But I thought that was fascinating. We've got a caller on the line, Marshall from Dallas. Marshall, what's your thought? My question for the ex-Congresswoman is, are the so-called gentlemen's clubs involved in child prostitution? Well, she's not on the line anymore, and um, sorry about that. But my view would be, uh, in terms of the child prostitution, if they have underage girls working there, certainly they would be. Uh, if they're not underage, uh, that might not be illegal. But as Christians, we know that everything 
that uh, is immoral is not necessarily illegal, and so we would still uh, be against that kind of um, sex business. But uh, uh, she's and they not are involved uh, indirectly, if not directly, with the culture of of child prostitution because it's fueled by a desire for these young men, these men, to really basically have sex with younger girls. Well, let's move on to mm-hmm. uh, this assassination attempt, a terrorist assassination attempt to uh, knock out Vice President Cheney. Here he is visiting the troops over in Afghanistan, spending the night at the Air Force Base. And he says, about 10 a.m., I heard a loud boom. And the Taliban spokesman has claimed credit for this. He says, we wanted to target Cheney. Now, I want to ask you out there, why would they, number one, target Cheney? Number two, why would they specifically say they wanted to target Cheney? Now, I think I know why. And all you have to do is to listen to some things that Vice President Cheney has has been saying just in the last week. And we've picked up some of the things that Vice President Cheney has been saying. And actually, Larry, I want to listen to all of these again. We're going to start with our first cut. Here's Vice President Dick Cheney. Remember, he's speaking in Australia. We're going to make a connection a minute to the Prime Minister of Australia. Here's Vice President Cheney saying, we can't win the war on terror using conventional means. An enemy that operates in the shadows and views the entire world as a battlefield is not one that can be contained or deterred. An enemy with fantasies of martyrdom is not going to sit down at a table for peaceful negotiations. And this why this is why some of the Democrats in Congress who are saying, well, we need to negotiate with uh, Iran. Uh, we need to sit down and negotiate. We need to get the troops out. This is why this is just wishful thinking. I think Vice President Cheney understands the bad guys. He says the war on terrorism is unlike any fight the world has faced before. The only option for our security and survival is to go on the offensive, face the threat directly, patiently, and systematically until the enemy is destroyed. We want to target Cheney, the Taliban spokesman says. Why? Because he knows how to play tough with these guys. Uh, he went on to say the U.S. is determined to prevail in Iraq because, because the consequences of failure are too great. The violence would likely spread throughout the country and be difficult to contain. Having tasted victory in Iraq, jihadists would look for new missions. Many would head for Afghanistan to fight alongside the Taliban. Others would set out for capitals across the Middle East. Taliban says we want to target Cheney because Cheney says if we withdraw from Iraq before the Iraqi forces can defend themselves, the country will descend into violence. Such chaos and mounting danger does not have to occur. It is, however, the enemy's objective. And for the sake of our own long-term security, we have a duty to stand in their way. All right, he said all this in Australia. Larry, let's go to this prime minister of Australia. I want to say... Why does the Taliban want to get a guy like Cheney? And uh, what would they think about maybe some of the Democrat critics out there? This is the prime minister of Australia comparing President Bush, Vice President Cheney, to some of the Democrat critics. If I were running al-Qaeda in Iraq, I would put a circle around March 2008 and uh, pray uh, as many times as possible for uh, a victory not only for Obama but also for the Democrats. A victory for Obama and the Democrats, according 
to the Prime Minister of Australia. That's what the Taliban, that's what Al-Qaeda would want. Well, they certainly tried to knock out Vice President Cheney. We can thank God that they were unsuccessful because he's been really strong in providing leadership in the war on Islamofascism. When we come back, have you seen the movie Amazing Grace? We're going to talk to the producer of the movie Amazing Grace. We're going to talk about slavery in the United Kingdom, in the United States, the abolition of slavery, and the Christian conviction that led the fight against us against it. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Amazing grace, how sweet. What do you want with an old preacher? I'm here to seek your advice. Are you contemplating a life of solitude? People like you are too much besides. Wilbur, you have work to do. But now I see. No one of our age has ever taken power. Which is why we're too young to realize that certain things are impossible. You're the best fighter in the house and the best speaker. Who is this little terrier Springfield? I believe he's a Yorkshire terrier, my lord. One man will risk everything. Payment in kind. There's nothing you have I'd want, Your Grace. He'd fetch at least 25 guineas. The game is over. To speak for those who could not. They do this. To let you know that you no longer belong to God, but to a man. To make the blind see. We have no evidence that the Africans themselves have any objection to the trade. And to lead a movement that would change the world. Well, Amazing Grace, the movie, is out in theaters right now. They're really two stories going on here in this movie. Have you seen it? Here's more sound from that movie. Remember, God made men equal. Blind, but now I see. Did I write that? Yes, you did. Now at last it's true. Amazing Grace. The movie Amazing Grace has been in theaters now for a week. I encourage you to go out and see this movie if you've already seen it and want to talk to us about it. The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. This is an amazing story. It's actually two stories. And with us to talk about it is Ken Wales. He's the producer of the movie Amazing Grace. Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, dear friend, it's good to be with you today. I'm down by the beach in uh, Marina del Rey, sunny California. That's my old stomping ground. <laughs> really? Uh, where? Palos Verdes. Okay, I can see it from here. Ken, this is Jerry Johnson here with Pennedexter, and um, you're the best man to talk to about this movie. Why this movie? Tell us, I think there are really a couple of stories in this movie, maybe more than that, but tell us what this movie is about. Absolutely, Jerry. This movie is the story of William Wilberforce, 
an extraordinary man born in 1759, died in 1833. But during that time, and especially in his young life, he is the one who at age 21 became a member of Parliament. His best friend was William Pitt the Younger, who was also serving in Parliament. And together, the two of them worked feverishly, especially Wilberforce, for the next 20-some-odd years, and evidently, and on beyond that, because they were to really push the legislation that ended the slave trade in England in 1807. And now we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of that with this film. It's an incredible motion picture. It's the finest film I've ever been involved in, all the way, of course, from doing Pink Panthers, Christie, and many other ones like it. Hey, Ken, you know, uh, we're connected particularly to Baptist here in this region and our institution, and we like to say the national anthem of the Baptist is Amazing Grace. That's sort of a second story in this um, movie, the title and the great hymn by Newton, Amazing Grace. Could you just tell our listeners about that subplot in the movie? I sure can. It's kind of a co-plot, really, because I started to do the story of John Newton, of course, which was entitled Amazing Grace. And then the more we got into it, we realized that William Wilberforce was indeed such a hero. He was a man for those times who needed to be brought forth as a man for these times. And John Newton, who was 34 years older than Wilberforce, and of course was indeed the main character who was a slave trader until God cut his ship in a half and got his attention, and he repented and became a vicar. And that's when he indeed wrote the most popular song or hymn in the world, Amazing Grace. But he mentored Wilberforce. He was a great influence in his life. In fact, at nine years old, William Wilberforce heard John Newton preach. And he never forgot that when his mother took him to services. And later, when he was in Parliament, indeed, he reconnected with Newton. And Newton said, John, and John Newton said, you don't have to choose Wilbur between serving God and being a member of Parliament. You can do both. And that was an, an unusual kind of of combination in those days. Our guest is Ken Wales. Uh, he is a film producer, and uh, we are talking about now the movie Amazing Grace. And Ken, I can hear the beach, and it makes me homesick. But <laughs> let me ask you about uh, William Wilberforce, because I know that he was a gifted man. He had a beautiful singing voice. He was a wonderful orator, and he had lots of money. But there was something missing in his life, and when he found that, he was able to accomplish this wonderful task and persevere in getting the slave trade abolished in Great Britain. So tell us what happened to him. Well, absolutely, because what happened to him, indeed, the Clapham Circle, a group that was around him as friends, uh, who really wanted to help keep him on track and to encourage and sustain him, pray for him, they were the ones who indeed suggested that he could do both by serving in Parliament and serve God at the same time. So as he went forth on this, he was defeated 20-some-odd times. It was over and over, and he was becoming ill with colitis. He felt his life was ruined. But William Pitt the Younger said, you know, let's try once more, and sure enough, they did, and were successful in defeating the opposition. But he had a second great obsession, which was just as important, my friends. He had an obsession to have a reform of manners, morals, decency, and a return to civility. And boy, do we need those characteristics today. Well, we do. We need that message in America. But we also understand there are over 20 million slaves out there across the world today. And though uh, slavery may not be institutionalized, it's still a reality for many people in the world. 
Ken, we want to thank you so much for bringing this movie to us. You have a website I bet our folks could go to. Of course, we want them to go to the theater. We want them to see this movie. But where can they see about it on the web? Well, right right on the website, guys, is uh, actually Amazing Grace Movie all run together. AmazingGraceMovie.com. AmazingGraceMovie.com. And there you can find places where you can sign the petition to protest what the remaining slavery in the world. There's still 27 million slaves, more than there were at the time of Wilberforce. Teenage prostitution, preteen girls, it's terrible. But also there you will find the website, in the website, the theater near you. Check your state and town. We had an amazing weekend. We actually set some records for a small film. Uh, indeed, this film looks like over $100 million. People in the, in the Hollywood industry were just stunned at the quality, as you will be, and indeed we spent about $29 million, a million under. The average film is 78, so you can see how frugal we were, and yet it looks like, and it is, one of the finest films ever made. Michael Apted, the director who did Coal Miner's Daughter, and listen to this, Albert Finney stars oh, also yes. as John Newton, and he has one scene together with Yoan Griffith from Horatio Hornblower, who plays Wilberforce. Newton is in the church. Wilberforce's arm is around him. And Newton says, Wilbur, I know there's two things in my life. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. That's in a feature motion picture. That is a great message for Hollywood theaters across the land. Thank you so much for being with us. Ken Wales, producer of Amazing Grace, thanks so much. Good to be with you. It's a long ways from Christie, but we love it. <laughs> All right. Thank well, you, we Seth. do love it. And, you know, Jerry, I think it's so exciting. He said that it started in smaller theaters, and I noticed uh, that I couldn't find it at the big 20-screen theater. I had to go to, you know, find it at a smaller theater in my community. But I think what happens, and we talked to Ted Bear last week, is if you get a good start, which it sounds like they did, then the movie lasts, and it influences more people, and it also tells Hollywood, we want more movies like this. We want these uplifting and even Christian messages. Yeah, if you're going to go to two or three movies this year, this ought to be one of the movies you're going to go to because Christians need to be supporting movies that um, call us to something higher mm -hmm. than just uh, the thrills and uh, the fear and all the other themes that we get out there today. We've got callers who've been holding on the line. John from Louisville. John, thank you for calling. You've seen the movie. What do you think about it? I thought it was a really good movie. I'm uh, really glad that um, in the last year or two they've started coming out with more and more family-oriented and Christian-backed uh, uh, movies for us to be able to see. It, it was a good movie. Um, it it, it um, was very suspenseful. It um, showed what the hardships uh, could have been like and probably didn't even hit on, on top of uh, what they really were like uh, because they could have... It could have actually been uh, more graphic, and it's probably a good thing that they weren't. Hey, thanks, John, for that call, folks. We want to know if you've seen this movie, Amazing Grace. Call in. Tell us about it. 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Sandy's been holding on the line from Mesquite. Sandy, you still there? What do you think of this movie? Yeah, I'm still here, and it was a great movie. And it was really worth going to see. I usually don't spend as much money to go see a movie. I'll wait till it comes to the dollar movie. But when I heard when I heard that it would be a good thing to do the first weekend it's out that yes. it would maybe help promote it, I decided to go. So a friend of mine and I went and it's a wonderful movie. It's well done. 
it's as good as any Hollywood movie I've ever seen. Hey, thanks, Sandy. You're right. Now is the time. If you haven't gone yet, now is the time this week or this weekend to get out and see this movie. And let's show Hollywood that um, Christians and families will come out to see this kind of movie. We've got callers on the line. We're going to get to John and to Johnny when we come back after the break. The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Or you can email us. Talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. That's talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. It's Jerry Johnson from Criswell College here with Pennant Exter. Let me remind you, Encounter Criswell, College for a Day on Thursday, March 1. We'll see you there for chapel and for class from 8 to noon. We'll be right back. A legacy of equipping believers, training leaders to be effective in their walk with Christ. The heritage continues at the Criswell College in Dallas, and you can see it firsthand. Thursday, March 1st, come to Preview Day and learn how an education at the Criswell College will prepare you for a future of ministry and a lifetime of service. The Criswell College will grow you spiritually and academically and focus your Christian worldview. Come meet the professors, have lunch, and pick from a list of classes to observe firsthand and ask any questions you may have. Your reservation is waiting for Preview Day, March 1st. Call 800-899-0012. That's 800-899-0012. And you'll find more details on the web at criswell.edu. Take advantage and see the worldwide opportunities that Criswell College can afford you as a full-time student or with classes to round out a biblically-based education. Call 800-899-0012 and reserve your place at Preview Day at the Criswell College in Dallas. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The only option for our security and survival is to go on the offensive, face the threat directly, patiently, and systematically until the enemy is destroyed. That's Vice President Dick Cheney. We're going to talk about the movie Amazing Grace. We've got three callers on the line, but I want to remind you what the Taliban spokesman said. We wanted to target Cheney. Why? Because this man is standing against the terrorist. And I have here an email exchange from television comedy writers, and you could get this on Rush Limbaugh's website if you went there, RushLimbaugh.com. Here's what uh, this comedy writer said. We all think it'd be a hoot if he died. End quote. Just want Cheney to die. Wish that bloated excrement was dead. Now, folks, uh, there are some people that get it. They know that we're in a war against the bad guys, against the Islamo terrorist, and there are others who do not get it. Many of them are in Hollywood. Some of them are in Congress. Some of them are some of them are in Washington. And uh, I'm glad that this vice president, this president, understand that we've got to see this battle through. He's always been uncompromising. And, you know, there are a lot of people that want us to negotiate with countries like Iran. And there's a sense in which we are trying to use diplomacy. But Vice President Cheney has always said we need to leave the military option on the table. He's pushed for that since the very beginning of uh, this presidency. He's still doing it. And, you know, he's probably standing stronger than anyone else in the administration. And it's no wonder he's been target. That's right, Penna. Well, the movie Amazing Grace is out. We're asking if you've seen it to give us a call. We've got John on the line from Irving. John, thank you for holding. What did you think of this film? 
Well, I thought, uh, Jerry, it was probably the best, the most ins- inspirational movie that I've seen since Chairs of Fire. Wow. Uh, I would love to take uh, a big group from our church and go see it. Uh, I went with my wife, and uh, I was glad to see that uh, there was probably half of the theater was uh, was full. It was a big theater. That's good. Uh, in, in Grapevine. So I was, I was really uh, impressed. I think the message uh, that... Uh, in the marketplace, in the political realm, that stand for truth uh, is is just so well done. And I hey, really John, like I like your idea about church groups going because I think youth pastors ought to take their students to go see this movie because young people today need a cause and they need to know how to engage the culture with the cause. Who will be the next Wilbur Force to fight against slavery, to fight against abortion? And along that line, let me remind you, we have Encounter Criswell on Thursday. I mean, we're trying to educate a generation of culture warriors here at Criswell College, preaching the gospel, doing missions, but not just that, involved in government, involved in entertainment, involved in the arts. We want our students to engage the culture with the Christian worldview. You know, you mentioned abortion. That's something we haven't talked about today, but I think this movie also has some lessons for us with regard to the abortion battle that's been a long battle. And Wilberforce's battle in Great Britain to abolish the slave trade was 20 years. Uh, The abortion battle's taking a long time. We're seeing light at the end of the tunnel, though, and so it's just really a lesson and encouragement to keep persisting. Yeah, and the principle is the same. Is human life at any stage or any age... Uh, an it, a thing, or a person made in God's image. Well, we've got Johnny on the line from Dallas. Johnny, thank you for holding. Did you see the movie? What do you think? Yes, uh, my wife and I both saw it, and uh, we think the movie is magnificent. Uh, However, I think to really get the best out of the movie, you need to do a little reading before you go. Because a lot of the points, like his conversion and several things, uh, you 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 miss if you're not aware of what's coming up. Yeah, but even hey. the the secular sources on uh, do a little study, of course, on Wilberforce, on uh, John Newton, uh, on William Pitt the Younger, yep. and even the Jacobeans would be helpful. Yeah, the Clapham Group. You know, I want to encourage folks to Google Wilberforce, Google yeah. Newton, uh, the the song Amazing Grace. Uh, World Magazine has a whole feature this last issue. On Wilberforce, on slavery, World Magazine. You ought to get your hands on that magazine or go to their website. Some of their articles are online. Uh, Really good advice, I think, to get a context for this story uh, to understand it. We've got another caller on the line, Ellen from Plano. Ellen, thank you for calling. Did you see the film? What do you think? Yes, I did see the film. Thank you very much. And it was uh, so refreshing to have a film that allowed us to use our imaginations rather than showing everything in brute force. And, um, I mean, that's a powerful thing. It reminded me of some of the great movies of old. And um, the story just was allowed to speak for itself. And it was, you had to pay attention. It was amazing. Uh, I think it was very effective. Hey, thanks so much, Ellen. And um, I want to encourage folks, uh, Penna, to go out and see this movie in the next three or four days. I'm going to make... My best effort to do that somehow this weekend. I've got to get out there. I've got to see that movie. Any final words for you, Penna? Well, you know, it was mentioned that we ought to do some reading. There is actually a companion book uh, called Amazing uh, Grace. It's a new biography of William Wilberforce. It's uh, published by Harper Collins, and uh, so that's out there if you want a book about uh, his life. I think a lot of people are going to want to be studying 
William Wilberforce. Hey, we've got one more caller on the line, Scott from Arlington. Scott, did you see the movie? What do you think? Yes, my uh, wife, Yeshi, and her friend Lydia and I, we went and saw it on the opening night Friday in Southlake. And normally I would have been a little dissatisfied having to sit on the second row, but I was thrilled that the whole theater was packed. Yes. And uh, we watched the movie at a 70-degree angle, but we loved it. <laughs> That's great. a great word. <laughs> well, look, the folks, this show, again, is about the Christian worldview. And isn't it interesting that a lot of times people who critique Christianity, they know just enough sort of to be dangerous, uh, that what they think they know is more than what they know. And they'll say, oh, didn't Christians support slavery? Doesn't the New Testament, the Old Testament support slavery? Well, actually, the Apostle Paul did say to slaves in Bible times that they should obey their master. And uh, what we've got to understand, though, is that slavery in the New Testament was very different than chattel slavery in America or in Great Britain. It wasn't about uh, folks taking ships over to another country and uh, gathering these slaves up and um, uh, half of them drowning on the way back and then treating them like animals. A New Testament slavery was a lot like a servanthood, an indentured servanthood. You see some of this still in India and so forth. It was a different kind of slavery, but it was Christians. And I think this is the important historical point. It was Christians and the church that opposed institutional slavery in Great Britain and as well in the United States. If it were not for Christians, there would not have been an abolitionist movement in the United States or in Great Britain. And so this shows, I think, the blessing, the superiority of the Christian worldview. And I'll just compare that right now with what you've got in some Islamic culture still uh, in North Africa and elsewhere. Uh, the Muslims don't have a problem with, uh, with slavery in North Africa. Christians do. Why? Because we believe that every human life Christian or non-Christian, made in the image of God. As Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, among these the right to life and the right to liberty, the right to freedom. Why? Because we're made in God's image. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. Tomorrow, more on that Jesus coffin hoax. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.